If you and I are going to make it through the spiritually hard times, the times of spiritual homesickness, we need not only to have others around us who are going to speak truth to us, we need to be those who speak truth to our own soul to trust and hope and wait and expect the salvation of our gracious God. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, and we're continuing a message we began last time, Speaking Hope to Your Soul. Jonathan, why do you think it is so important that we do that, that we remind ourselves repeatedly of truths that we, quote-unquote, already know? Well, we can be very, very driven by our feelings, by our emotional reactions to our circumstances. Of course we can. We're emotional creatures. But we... As believers in Christ, for those of us who know Christ and follow him, we are people who live on the basis of revealed truth, what God has made known to us in his word. And we do have an opportunity as rational creatures to remind ourselves of truth, to call to mind things that we have learned from the word of God. And we need to, in a sense, articulate those things in our own hearts to our own selves Uh, to remember them and then to live in the good of them. And this psalm, Psalm 42, it it models that for us in a wonderful way. The the psalmist is kind of having this this conversation with his soul, and he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. You know, you, you, Jonathan, internally, you need to hope in God. And we, we need to say that to ourselves as we remember the truths that we have heard and been taught and that we read in the Word of God. And I like what you did right there, where you actually inserted your own name into that. I think there could be something powerful about, you know, putting our own name in there and then even reading that out loud. Oh, I I, I think there could be. And the psalmist seems quite unembarrassed in the way in which he does this here. Yeah. Well, we're going to look at that, as you just heard, from Psalm 42. Grab a Bible. Join us there. We continue our message, Speaking Hope to Your Soul. Here is Jonathan. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I wonder what you reach for when you're thirsty on a hot day. We've had a number of very hot days this summer. If we happen to have a taste for sugary soft drinks, those synthetic sugar-filled drinks that might taste so good but be not so good for us, if we're not careful, we're always going to want to quench our thirst with the junk food variety of drink. If when we're thirsty, we always reach for a Pepsi or a Mountain Dew, we're going to end up in a little bit of trouble over time. It's important, isn't it, to train our taste buds, to train our senses to thirst for water to find refreshment in pure and healthy, life-giving water rather than drinks that'll do us harm if we quench our thirst with them all the time. And you and I, we need to be sure, and we might need to retrain and realign our appetites in this sense. We need to be sure that our heart and our soul is longing for the Lord himself, is seeking refreshment and finding fulfillment and finding joy in him and not in anything else. Now, of course, that's no easy thing for us just to do, even if we belong to the Lord, even if we've known him for a long time. When the pressure rises, when the difficulty comes, when sadness and even that sense of spiritual homesickness presses upon us, we are liable, aren't we, to go and seek satisfaction of soul in other things. 
a new purchase, a nice vacation if we could actually go anywhere these days, a new career challenge, a new relationship, something else altogether. We're entirely vulnerable, aren't we, to that line of thought, to thinking that our soul will be soothed or satisfied by the things of this world if we pursue them hard enough. But the psalmist, by utter contrast, models for us something wholesome and something healthy and something altogether right. He's trained his heart to long for God himself. This imagery of the deer heading for that flowing stream, it's one of the most memorable images, I tend to think, in the whole of the Psalms. It lodges in the memory in a wonderful way. This deer knows instinctively where to go for healthy refreshment, where life and renewal will be found. And here's the best thing of all about thirsting for God. He is available and he is accessible to each and every one of us. He'll never disappoint us when we come to him. One of the greatest sources of misery in this world is in longing for fulfillment in something we can never actually have, a certain experience, a certain possession, an achievement. And it eludes us. Life just feels empty because we, we can never take hold of it if we've set our heart upon it. But the Lord has given himself to us. This is the gospel, isn't it? The Lord has given himself to us in Jesus Christ. He is available to each one of us by faith. The invitations of scripture in this regard, they are wonderful, aren't they? Isaiah 55 and verse 1, familiar words, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's the invitation of God. John 4 and verse 13, Jesus to the woman at the well, do you remember that? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're invited, each one of us, to come and to drink and to find refreshment and to find satisfaction, to find health of soul in God himself. I wonder if you've ever done that before. I wonder if you've responded to that invitation of the word of God to find life and health and refreshment of soul in Jesus Christ. And if you have, I wonder if you're still finding your refreshment in that ever-flowing, ever-rising well in God himself. The psalmist models for us a longing of the soul. Next, he models for us a remembrance of the soul. Middle of verse 5. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. In the time of being cast down and being troubled, homesick, oppressed, the psalmist decides to call to mind the Lord himself. Just notice the connection here. It's actually very tight. My soul is cast down. I'm facing this time of difficulty. Therefore, I remember you. 
I'm in this time of difficulty, therefore I'm going to call my mind to you. I remember who you are. I remember what I've learned about you from your word. I remember the teaching of the scriptures. I I remember your acts and your faithfulness in days gone by. And what follows next here in verse 7, what his remembrance leads the psalmist to see and to understand. It's very interesting, and I think it's actually quite surprising. He's in a tough place. He calls to mind the Lord and who he is. And in verse 7, this much becomes clear to him. The Lord is in control of the tough situation that he is facing. He's in the midst of a storm, isn't he? At least metaphorically speaking, a spiritual, emotional, social storm. But notice whose storm it is. Verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I'm practically drowning here, says the psalmist. But I, as I remember you and I remember who you are, this much has become clear to me. This storm, these bursting rivers and crashing waves, they all belong to you. They're yours. You're commanding them. You could stop them, but they flow in accordance with your will Even though I'm far away from the home I love, even though the unbelievers around me are making life tough for me, you are actually in control and you are actually at work in all these things because the rivers and the waves and the storms of life, they flow and they billow at your command. They're yours. And so the conclusion of the thought comes in verse 8. You are lovingly commanding my circumstances each day. And at night I can sing your song of thanksgiving and of dependency. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. Friends, in seasons of social pressure and of spiritual homesickness. We need to be those who consciously and intentionally call to mind our remembrance of the Lord and of who he is. We need to remember that he is the sovereign God who is ruler over all life circumstances, that he is powerful, that he is good in the exercise of that power, that he commands the winds and the waves, and he does so in accordance with his steadfast love for his people, his covenant love for us. This is Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Speaking Hope to Your Soul, part of our series, Songs of the Heart. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in the series, come and listen online. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter, check out our weekly e-devotional, and find links to connect on social media as well. Well, Encounter the Truth really is listener-supported. That means we depend on your generosity and your prayer support to keep this program on the station. So thank you for giving to and supporting the ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount, we want to send you a book that Jonathan has picked out. It is called Worthy, written by Sinclair Ferguson. And in this book, Ferguson explains the importance of living worthy of the gospel, why that principle is so often forgotten, how it's cultivated, and the difference between biblical obedience and legalism. Again, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel, is our way of saying thanks for your financial support. You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 1-833-998-7884. That's 833-99-TRUTH. Or again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org.
Back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. The psalmist models for us a longing of the soul, a remembrance for the soul, and finally an exhortation to the soul. I don't know if you ever find yourself talking to yourself from time to time. I'm told it's one of the early signs that you are beginning to lose it. I have to confess that I do find myself talking to myself from time to time, mostly, although probably not exclusively, mostly when I'm working at my computer preparing my sermons. I'll often be sort of vocalizing what I'm planning to say, and my family will walk past my study door. I have a glass door on the study. It's just off the the, the main sort of entrance to the house. My, My family will walk past the study door and kind of give me these concerned looks, um, looking to see who is the other person in the room to whom I might be talking. It might seem crazy to talk to yourself, but I want to suggest today that we should be making a point of talking to ourselves regularly. Specifically, we should be addressing our own soul. That's what the psalmist is doing here, isn't it? That's what he models for us. He does it twice, actually, in verse 5 and then in verse 11, and he says the same thing both times. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. These are words we might imagine a mature believer saying to another believer, Hey, brother, sister, why are you looking so glum? Why are you so cast down? Why are you so discouraged today? Look, look, hope in God. He's worthy of your hope. But place your trust in him in these hard times. The hard times, they're going to pass. You're going to be singing his praises again. You're going to be delighting in his salvation, which will be revealed in its fullness. It's the kind of thing you and I as believers, we might have the presence of mind to say that to someone else in a time of trial that they're going through. It's the kind of comfort, the kind of advice we might give to another believer in distress, right? We might know how to do that. But the interesting thing here, the thing that really jumps off the page for me at least, it is this. The psalmist sees that he needs to say these things to himself, to his own soul. He needs to express and affirm this kind of encouragement, not to the brother and sister over there, although they would benefit from hearing it, but to his own heart within. And as I see him doing that, and as I I watch the model of the psalmist, I recognize the profound spirit-inspired wisdom of what he's doing. If you and I are going to make it through the spiritually hard times, the times of oppression, the times of spiritual homesickness, we need not only to have others around us who are going to speak truth to us, we need to be those who speak truth to our own soul, who exhort our own hearts within to trust and hope and wait and expect the salvation of our gracious God. We need to learn to do that. The psalmist is pretty honest about the battle going on within his own heart, the questions he is asking, the spiritual, the theological issues he's grappling with, and in that he's very much like us, isn't he? This resonates. Notice what he's saying in his heart. Notice how he's crying out to the Lord. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Ever feel like God's forgotten you? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He's crying out. He's grappling. He's asking some hard questions. And as he cries out and as he grapples, he has the basic spiritual sense and wisdom to speak truth to his soul, to exhort his soul, to keep trusting, keep believing. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope 
in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God is worthy of our hope. And he's worthy of our trust. There's going to come a day when I will see his salvation and sing his praises anew. Hang in there, O soul of mine. I wonder what is the gospel truth that you need to speak to your own soul today? What is the believing, faith-filled response you need to call your own soul to make to God even now? It is perhaps a strange-seeming habit But it is one that you and I need to cultivate and develop. We won't always have a brother or sister right there who's going to speak the word that we need to hear. They won't always know what's actually going on deep within our own soul. They won't really know necessarily what our spiritual need really is, even if they are present and willing to help. But if you and I know the Lord and know the truth, we know his word, we can have that habit of speaking truth to ourselves My mother came to Canada from England as a young adult, I guess in her 20s. This was back in the 1960s when international travel actually wasn't such a a big thing. She was given some advice for life in North America. Another English friend, I think, commended to her the practice of saying to herself on a regular basis, particularly when walking or cycling or driving, say to yourself all the time, trust in God and keep to the right. (laughs) Quite good advice. For an English person driving in Canada, that's actually a matter of survival to give yourself that reminder on a regular basis. It is a matter of spiritual survival for us to remind ourselves of our hope in God, to remind ourselves of gospel truth, to speak truth to ourselves on a regular basis and to exhort our heart and our soul to believe it and to hold to it. So here then is a model and a strategy for living life away from our heavenly home, for dealing with times of opposition, of spiritual discouragement. Here is the model of a longing, a remembrance, and an exhortation. Now, all this, it sounds very good, doesn't it? It sounds very, very helpful. But as is so often the case with the models of faith that the Psalms give us, we end up asking a basic question. We end up asking ourselves, it sounds great, but is this realistic? Is this actually livable? Does this work when the pressure really rises, when the tides of grief come over us, when the sense of spiritual homesickness and the oppression of this dark world threaten to overwhelm us? Is it actually realistic to hope to live in this kind of a way? Who has actually done this? Who has walked this path before us? And we ask that question, and as we ask it, our eyes lift naturally to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't they? Our eyes are drawn to him. Again and again, we're finding together that the Psalms point us to that model believer, that truly faithful man, that truly faithful human being who walked this earthly path before us and plumbed the depths of human suffering. And seeing how Jesus lived this life of faith and walked this road, it gives us hope, I believe, that we can live this way and walk this way. When I was in my late teens, I went through an outdoor summer program in the Austrian Alps. It was a kind of take on the Outward Bound 
program, but run by a Christian Bible school. Anyway, they really put us through our paces. It was quite grueling. We, we did some uh, pretty heavy-duty climbs and, and hikes in the Alps, and I, I not infrequently, genuinely wondered if I was going to die. <laughs> but one of the things that kept me kind of steady through the rather intense program over six weeks or so, one of the things that kept me steady was the knowledge that uh, one of my cousins had actually done this program a year or two before me. She had gone through it. She had lived the tale. She had returned home, and she actually seemed to have enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. And so all the while, I just kept thinking to myself, if she survived this, if she went through this thing ahead of me, it must therefore be survivable. As with the Psalms in general, when we read this Psalm and consider Jesus, the model believer who sings its words ahead of us and walks its path before us, it actually begins to make wonderful sense. He is supremely the man whose longing, verse 1, was for communion with the Father. Wasn't that true of Jesus? He was the one who slipped away in the evenings to pray, who longed to do the Father's will. He knew grief, didn't he? And he knew tears, verse 3. His enemies taunted him. He had once joined the crowds at the temple as a young boy, verse 4. He knew days of darkness. He knew the waves of opposition, the ugliness of the most dangerous storms the world could muster, verse 7. But he trusted all the while in the Father's sovereign love, verse 8. At the cross, he cried out, didn't he? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew deadly wounds, verse 10, inflicted by taunting adversaries. He knew anguish of soul. He had to summon the spiritual strength to overcome human weakness in the garden and declare that it would not be his will, but the Father's will that would prevail. And so he had the confidence, didn't he, that the Father would raise him and vindicate him, that he would again praise the Father and know the Father's salvation. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has lived this, and he has lived it through deeper times of trial and distress than any of us will know. And this Jesus who lived this way, if we belong to him, here's the wonderful gospel truth, he lives within us by his Spirit. And he can enable me and he can enable you to live this way, to have this longing, to call to mind this remembrance, to bring this exhortation to our own soul day by day, to take this psalm upon our lips and to pray it and to sing it for ourselves and to ourselves that we may live through days of oppression and of spiritual homesickness in this dark world and come to that final day and that heavenly home where we're going to praise him, our salvation and our God. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? I wonder if your soul is cast down today. Why are you in turmoil within me? I wonder if you're in turmoil, inner turmoil today. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Jonathan Griffiths wrapping up our message, Speaking Hope to Your Soul, part of our series called Songs of the Heart. And if you've missed any part of today's broadcast, you can go back and listen again at EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth does depend on your generosity to keep this program on this station. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel. And Jonathan, I understand you appreciate this book so much, you've actually used this in your home church. 
Yeah, we've just finished working through this book as an elder study for our, our leaders within the church, and we found it to be so rich and helpful. It was just good for our, our hearts and for our personal discipleship, because the call of this book is to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And if we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we want to do that, and we need to be encouraged and helped and reminded to do that all the time. And this rich but very accessible and pretty brief study is a tremendous encouragement in doing that very thing. We were helped by it, and we were grateful for it ourselves. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or over the phone when you call 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884. Or again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can also write us at Encounter the Truth, 2176 Prince of Wales Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, 2KE081. Or in the U.S. at Encounter the Truth, 215 North Arlington Heights Road, number 102. Arlington Heights, Illinois, 60004. For Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.